0: Listen, I don't know what the fuck you're doing on Saturday, February 22nd, but me, Tom Brady, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, we're going to be fucking around in Boston, Massachusetts for a one-day business seminar that I'm putting on at the Seaport location of Burnin' by Ray. Now, those fuckers aren't actually coming. That would be dope, though, but I'll be there. I'll fucking be there. And that should be good enough because I'm doing a six-hour business seminar from 12 to 6 p.m. And we'll do a social thing afterwards. We'll hang out and you know, you know, crack some beers and eat some food and all that good shit. But I'm doing a six-hour business seminar that's gonna cover sales, branding, and then the new marketing funnel. What I believe and what I've been installing in gyms, my own especially, that is going to flip the current day marketing funnel on its fucking face. And I'm beyond excited. This is gonna be one of my biggest things I'm pushing in 2020 is the new marketing funnel. From micro gyms, I'll be going over that thing in complete depth in Boston at Burnham by Ray Saturday, February twenty second, from twelve to six pm. If you want tickets, the link is in my Instagram bio. That is the only place to get them, and there are limited seats because his studio is not like the Seaport location is great. It's just not huge, so we can only fit so many people in there. So please. Don't be a fucking idiot. If you're within like a three, four, five hour drive, make the trip up. We'll hang for six hours. I'll melt your fucking face off with fucking nuggets. And then afterwards, we'll go crack some beers, have a good time. So guys, Saturday, February 22nd, Boston, 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 fucking lobster eating Massachusetts. See you there. What is up guys? It is Stu. It is what the fuck gym talk. I've got my man, Sean Pastuch. I kept Sean waiting. I was fucking late. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm probably, you know how there's some people that are very biblical about like it, it's, you have to be professional to be on time. If that's, I'm the least professional person in the world. Then I'm just, I'm rarely on time for things and I know it's not a good thing and I try my hardest, but Sean, thank you for, for uh, sticking it out and, uh, and still hanging out with me on the podcast, man.
1: Always happy to hang out with you on the podcast. And I, gave, I gave you the warning. I was like, look, man, if you're not here in three minutes, I'm going to go make Instagram posts.
0: <laughs> I was So what I had is at a gym memorial, a chick I used to work with, she's buying a bunch of those 70-inch barbells, right? I went from an 84-inch barbell, I went down to a 70-inch barbell, and now all we utilize is a 60-inch barbell. We've, like, just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So she came by from Atlanta and bought, like, 10 or so of these barbells. Um, and I was, we were just shooting the shit. and I just lost track of time. So I apologize. But now oh, on you, you have been busy. You created an amazing online presence. You have an educational portal and product that can be done anywhere at any time as long as you have an internet connection and, or a phone or a phone like talking with you because you, t- you, you still take calls personally with gym owners? I do, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you know, rare, I'll, can- I'm going to be honest.
1: It's, it's, it's narrow. I've narrowed that down to really only taking calls from people who are working with us. Got so it. that I can give them all of my attention. But I don't take, you know, but yeah, we take calls all the time.
0: Fair enough. So you did all this and you and me have talked all the time how amazing because you owned a brick and mortar uh, micro gym. And now you and me both have businesses that are digital and we don't have that overhead. Our margins are far more impressive. And yet you went ahead and got another brick and mortar. Look at you. You're sitting in it now. I've seen pictures of it. It looks amazing. And then part of me is like, the fuck are you doing? Are you are you blowing up that big that you're just like, you know what, I need a tax write-off. I need a fucking grand <laughs> a month just to write-off. Right? So what was uh, the idea with HQ here?
1: Well let me let me first go back and address the um I owned a gym, I no longer own a gym. And I want to give a like a kind of a tilt of the cap to all the gym owners out there. The reason I don't own a gym anymore is I just couldn't hack it. I didn't i I couldn't do the day to day like the mundane stuff that you guys have to do to be awesome get it, it war on me
0: Sean's also being humble a fucking hurricane blew his goddamn gym out the goddamn like into the water also, that's true let, that- let's not let's not <laughs> uh, let's not ignore that fact that a natural disaster hurricane sandy, yeah,
1: yeah but that I was mean- the first gym we we had gyms after that
0: it, it, but still like I'm surprised you didn't pack it up then
1: I don't pack it up. <laughs> I mean, I would I would open another one just to just to throw a good old fuck you to Mother Nature.
0: Yeah, and then you switch gears, and now yeah. an act of life was born.
1: So the reason that we have the brick and mortar now is because we host workshops. Yeah, and we were hosting them at other people's gyms, and it was it was going okay. But I was like, if we're going to do this with any kind of regularity, we need our own spot. Sure. Oh, so, so I took out this brick and mortar. I pay full rent every month. I'll probably use it what thirty two days this year. And it is what it is.
0: I love it, man. So what all, like, what's all in there? Like, I'm looking now. It looks like it's a good spot. You're recording podcasts and content. You got a couple of mics here. Like, what all is in it? Without taking me on a virtual tour, just like give me the, the – because I know these things, you grow into them right? as you figure out the model.
1: What We're almost grown out of it, out of
0: it really? already.
1: Yeah, it's a good problem, but it's still a problem. So, yeah. so the lease is day-to-day.
0: I mean, day-to-day? Like, we, what do you mean day-to-day? <clears throat>
1: I didn't sign a lease. Whose fucking building is this? So what I did was I walked into a building. We, I sold out a workshop series, okay. four workshops. I sold it out in July and the first workshop was in September and we did it at my buddy's gym and it was fine, but I didn't want to keep on doing them at his gym and I wanted to move them to Thursdays and Fridays for future groups. So I'm like, I need a, I need a spot. And the next workshop was coming in January and I didn't have one. And if you're in New York looking for real estate, you need very, very specific zoning. And that zoning could take six months, a year, two years to get. And I'm like, damn, I need to find a space that already has the zoning and is down to rent. Yeah. So I walked into a co-working space and I basically told them, like, look, you guys have 9,000 square feet across the street from here and you have 12,000 square feet here and 6,000 of your 12,000 is vastly underutilized. I think if we turned it into a gym, made it a fitness co-working space, it would crush or at least do better than it's doing right now. Uh, And I convinced them that that was true. We're going to make that true. But in the meantime, I have a gym to host my workshops.
0: So the current location you've got, this brick and mortar, is is this mainly going to house the people who have taken the, on the, um, the opportunity, the liability, the uh, the of your pro path. Your pro path is expensive. It's exclusive, and it's 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 work, right? Is this what your place is going to be for mainly those guys, or is this like for pretty much anybody?
1: It's only for hosting pro path workshops. Cool. That's I, the whole I the point. point. I love. I mean, it. like we 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 sold. Uh, right now, we're at like thirty six or thirty seven gyms who are in it. The goal is to be at one hundred twenty in 2020. And on. once we're there, I mean, we'll we'll need to have workshops on a regular basis.
0: I love it, dude. I love it. How many people are enrolled in ProPath right now?
1: 36 gyms.
0: That's fucking A. Great. So yeah. It's it's more B2B. It's not really B2C then. Like you're like a, a gym enrolls in ProPath and I'm assuming their staff is involved in it as well.
1: Yeah. So I'll explain to you what the ProPath is. I'll keep it simple. So the ProPath is when a gym wants to be a part of our vision that the gym is the healthcare clinic of the future and the coach is the healthcare provider of the future. Essentially, what we're doing is we're teaching the owners how to enable their coaches to create high value and make a big income as a coach by helping people finally get in the best shape of their life without getting hurt and by getting out of pain without going to the doctor or missing the gym. It's a four-phase program. We educate the coaches on how to assess, how to correct, how to sell how to market, and our other job is just to make sure that the gym owner doesn't get in the coach's way. So everybody wins.
0: I want everyone to understand something. One of the reasons I like Sean so much because of his branding you know, I have heard Sean literally use that same exact descriptor over and over. Get you, you know, get it So taking people who are in pain so they don't have to go to the doctor and they don't have to miss the gym. And at some point, my guess is Sean, that was not like that's You would add like years ago, people ask, what's active life or action. You probably had some really long convoluted bullshit, fucking cumbersome answer. And then eventually you boiled it down. What do people want? They don't want to have to go to the fucking doctor and they don't want to have to miss the gym. And it was like, Eureka. That's what we fucking do. Yep, and I've heard dude. you, you stick to it. Like it's fucking, it is literally like reactive. It's like an instinct. It's a gut reaction. When someone's asked about active life, I've never heard you describe it another way without bringing out those two very strong sound bites. And I love that.
1: And, and I learned that from a guy named uh, Sharan Srivasta. Sure. He was, yes, Sharon Srivasta. Okay. He owns a company called Kingston Lane. He teaches real estate brokers how to do their job better. And essentially what he said is he's like, you need to be able to tell me in 10 seconds or less what your company does. Yep. That's and I'm, right. I'm like, well, well, uh, he's like, no, no, no. Give me what is the thing that you do without the thing that they don't want to do? That was it. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, we get yeah. people out of pain without going to the doctor or missing the gym.
0: There's a lot of guys on that right now. Like uh Donald Miller <clears throat> story brand. Yeah. That's his entire thing, creating clarity in there. Like, you know, um, I'm a huge, huge fan of his stuff. Like in seven words or less, that's what I do with the gym owners. So, you know, hey, in seven words or less, what is it that you do better than anybody else? Go and watch Dude, grown grow watch grown adults shit their pants.
1: One word. And <laughs> one of the things I ask our clients is if if you could name one word that represents best the problem that your clients have. What is that one word that you solve? Because everything comes back to that one word, right? For us, it's confusion. You're out there hearing, I should pay my coaches four nines, but nobody wants to sell personal training sessions. It's weird. I can't believe it. They don't want to work for 30 bucks. Right. it's yep. And then and then they go somewhere else and they hear, oh, you should pay your coaches 50%. And then they go somewhere else and they hear you should do this. You should do that. I'm like, no, no, no. Everyone's given you stuff from a random variety of places. Let's come up with what you really need to make. How do we know what the answer to that question is? We don't care what your coaches make after that. Yeah. Put your pick away. It's not a measuring contest.
0: A hundred percent. It's, uh, 100%. it's so funny, man. You know, We've talked on each other's podcasts now for a couple of years now, and we obviously uh, we jam off-air you know, text, and we've done our stuff together, which we need to do more of here. I know you were pushing hard. I, had, I was so busy at the end of the year in 2019, but we'll definitely get something on the calendar for, for 2020 here to, to jam and, and do another um, PT First seminar, PT Sales seminar, whatever we end up doing. But one of the things that's been super interesting to me... As my model here has evolved, is is messing around with other things. So like, I was big PT first, and then once I got the franchise route, and I started really diving deep into that fucking rabbit hole, realizing what I was going to need to go and how to maximize a straight the class model, things like that. And it's been super interesting to see my own evolution um, change. I'm curious how much of your, how much of your business model has changed over the years? Like with active life, have you had, have you made any like hard zigs and zags? Like we were doing this and now we're doing this. Cause I think gym owners, a lot of time they get afraid to make changes. Not only because i I'm afraid to change. Everyone inherently is afraid of change. I think people are afraid of saying I was wrong. Dude. I said it was this way. And I think maybe it's actually this way now, but I don't want people to know I was wrong back in the day.
1: Are you kidding me? every like i feel like that happens every month i yeah. i was a director a gym owner an event planner and now i own a company that helps people get out of pain without going to the doctor or missing the gym and a company that helps gym owners and coaches make a better living yeah. in fitness and i'm like what i didn't get into this for any of that but it all naturally just became that and then when it comes to the way that i teach people to run their gyms now it's the only reason I know any of this is because I did it all differently and it didn't work. So yes, the answer, short answer, yes. I'm, I had a lot of fuck ups, and because of those fuck ups, I don't make those same mistakes anymore.
0: Is there anything? What's the most recent zig the zag or A to Z kind of change that Active Life has made? Like, like what well, we went from, like very similar, we went from going on site to other gyms and using them as hosting facilities, and now you you have your own hosting facility you took on expense to probably minimize, but after the end of the year, I bet you could look at all your plane tickets and hotels and travel expenses and probably justify at least 60% of your fucking monthly rent.
1: Well, remember half of my, most of my staff is remote. So I'm still paying that. I got to fly. I'm going to buy the house through my backyard yeah. so that my, my staff has a place to stay. I'm not even kidding about that. We're, okay. we're in talks about doing it. Um, cool. But so the, the, the most recent zig to zag that I have had is, is, is as simple as gym owners don't want to learn from somebody who didn't kill it as a gym owner. Yeah. I mean, like I did fine. My head, my head coach made $80,000 my last year working in the gym that I owned. I made, you know, last month we were there, we were like $7,000 net profit. So it's fine. Yeah. But I fucking hated it. So that was, that was one. But in terms of, um, actual policy and procedure that I have made a a, a recent switch on is I didn't used to think that PT first was the way to go in terms of like long duration. I thought, get people into class as soon as possible. And in a CrossFit gym now I'm the absolute opposite.
0: Yeah. I'm getting a lot of flack because a lot of people like, I don't, we no longer do the PT first model at urban and, um, I think a lot, I, what I and then what I get is well, dude. If you don't do it, how can you tell other people to do it? Like, it because, because they're serving a different client. It's a different client. It's not only like that. It's because there's a gazillion business tactics that I can coach you on. Doesn't mean I'm doing all of them. It's probably because I did one at one point. I know it. I feel it. I just don't do it anymore. I think people also too. They're they're a little like it's like this. Like you taste it first. No, 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 no. You taste. I'm not eating that until you eat it. Like. And they mm-hmm. want the social proof. They want you to be the, the living testimonial of it. Um, and, you know, we did PT First forever. Obviously, I feel I can speak really intelligently on that. But that was a huge shift. And, you know, a lot of the vlog content I've had to do has just been going to kind of recorrect that ship and let people know. I think PT First, if you're a CrossFit gym, if you have a bar, if you have that, that seven foot barbell in people's hands, if you have them climbing a rope, if you have doing anything with the Oli lifts, yeah, you better fucking have PT First. If you're an orange theory gym, I don't think you probably need PT first. And honestly, your 1,800 square foot studio prevents it, prohibits it.
1: So so I would, to answer what you're saying there, there's two things people need to understand that I think have some nuance to it. And one of them is that the most difficult part of owning a gym for most micro gym owners, from my experience at least, is where is my next client going to come from? Sure. Where are they going to come from? That's not a problem for Stu you're good at that. For them, that's, that's really hard. If you own an Orange Theory, Orange Theory is doing that for you. Yeah. That's why you pay the franchise fee. If you own a CrossFit gym, it is exponentially more important that you know your members on a deep level and keep your members forever and increase the price that they're paying to you because you don't know how to go get another member. Yeah. That's, that's a huge difference between them and you. And you can try to teach them that all you want and they'll get better at it. The reality is it might not be in their unique skill set to get out in front of a camera.
0: Yeah. And, it, and it's, and again, and they're not in a financial position. That's generally where you just, any other business coach that's not in the micro gym scene, it doesn't really understand the true pathetic financials that the most of us in the micro gym scene have, would say, well, well don't learn to use a camera, outsource it. And then you tell you to that to a gym owner that's making no fucking money. They're just like, I can't outsource this. I can barely, I'm cleaning the floors myself. I can't even outsource my cleaning.
1: Right. I mean, well, it's, so, so it's, here, I, here's what I would say to that gym owner. You can't outsource it yet. But what you can do is say, okay, I'm going to add something in my gym that's going to throw off some profit. I'm not going to put that profit in my pocket. Because it's not my money. The only reason I'm doing that is to be able to outsource this other thing. Correct. So, I'll, I'll give you an example. I have a friend who flips houses. In his first year, he flipped two. His next year, four. His next year, 20. 50. And I think this year, he's going for like 200 houses. But when I asked him, I'm like, dude, the house flipping market is crazy. Like, that's that's volatile. You need a lot of cash. He's like, dude, the only reason I flip a house is so that I can buy one to rent.
0: Yeah so, I get, yeah. so he
1: he doesn't take the house flipping money and put it in his pocket. He puts he, it in an account. It? Yeah. Yeah. To buy another house that he's going to rent that's going to make him long term income. So the point is, you can't outsource your video and your photo right now necessarily. But what can you do that's going to be profitable that you can then take the money from that and put it towards something else instead of putting it in your pocket.
0: I did a. I was working on a pro forma for a gym, and and on the pro forma, he's like, I think your uh, Excel sheets wrong. I'm like, oh, do tell. And uh, he shows it to me and he's, he's like, well, listen, here you have me netting a month, whatever. You have me netting $4,000 of gross profit. But then in the cell underneath where it says, I just have a cell that says real money, a real profit, it's only showing uh, 2000 or whatever. He's like, what happened to the other two? I'm like, oh, you reinvested that into a, into a checking account that we're going to save up till it gets up to 25000 and then you're going to hire your first full-time person. And you're Mm going to continue whatever. And he's like, well, so wait, I'm going to work for the next, I'm going to work the first 13 months only making this little bit amount of money. And then when I start making money, you're telling me I'm not going to get the touch. And I'm like, that's correct. Sit down. Like, yes. (laughs) Like, don't get your fucking titties in a tassel. All right. We're like, that's exactly what you're going to do.
1: Dude, we we went, we we have since, since 2018, when I really went all in on this online business, we have eight X the company. And it wasn't like we were making like $5,000 now we're at 40. Like we were, we were doing just fine. And now it's a different world. It's very cool. That being said, my pay hasn't changed.
0: Oh, a hundred percent.
1: I'm not like eight X the income and the net is even bigger than it was before, but it all gets reinvested to, to keep on creating opportunities
0: yeah and again because if when you get into it too like i you get into a business and you have a you know there's an opportunity and you know that money is the direct consequence of really hitting a well hit like a really good opportunity like really making contact with the ball and fucking crushing it out the park but that's like you don't do it for that the money is the consequence but it's all it's it's also the byproduct that allows you to extrapolate on it there's very few guys i know that that have an opportunity See it through, do it well, and like, yep, I'm done. No, because there's always a you always you you always come up with a better way to do it that costs more money. There's always a better way to do it that costs more money, and there are arguments of guys out there that say stay boring, Stu. Don't keep reinventing. Don't like if fucking what's his face Hermosi was on here. He would tell you to stop reinvesting into the business for a lot of it. He would say, hey, listen, boring is good. You don't need to be doing maybe the latest and greatest of everything, or you don't need to be adding a house for your fucking employees. You don't stay boring, be basic stack cash. And that's fine. That's, that's a, that's a paradigm and a mindset for, for business that, that obviously it can work. Um, I think for a lot of guys in the gym, the reinvestment gets, it gets shitty. Like I walk in, I'm like, I literally can smell the fucking the metal from those brand new echo bikes. Mm-hmm. Like, you just, like you reinvested in, you know, you got rid of assault bikes that were four years old for Echo Bikes because you heard they were dope. Like,
1: like, <laughs> well, like, well, well, what you were describing before, that, that's somebody understanding the difference between a liability and an asset. Correct. And what you were describing before is you're putting $25,000 away so you have a buffer, and you can hire somebody and not worry about a bad month not being able to make their paycheck. And if that person does a good job, instead of having 25,000 in that account, you're gonna be able to pay them and that account is still gonna grow because they are making you more money than they cost. That's what makes them an asset and not a liability.
0: It's also, you know, HR compensation. It's one of my favorite things to do, create compensation plans based on whatever and good compensation plans pay for themselves. There's a mix of, you know, for a lot, the most popular ones I create now are uh, salary plus performance, right? How do you do that? So come up with a, you know, like global gym. One of my favorite ones we create, we create a base salary and we call it like the safety nest egg. Like it's the amount of money that that individual at that point in their life with the current demographic, what they need to pay rent, eat food, go and get some beers on the weekend. It's like comfortable, but sure as fuck not satisfied. And then on top of that, at Global Gym, we obviously—you remember this—you were there. You performance-based pay was the majority, and at the end of the day, a paycheck would typically look like thirty percent to forty percent mm-hmm. is your base, like whatever you took home monthly. Thirty to forty percent was your base salary. The, the fucking lion's share was performance-based. If you had a shitty sales month, you weren't going to completely fucking die. You weren't like you little, You know you could make you can make your car payment maybe, you mm-hmm. can pay your rent. So you weren't living in that stressed out where, like, again, I think you and me probably could tell some stories of some guys who got fucking, like, (laughs) completely stressed out over sales goals at Equinox and Gold's Gym and did some shady fucking shit to clients to hit goal, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, that was the whole thing. Hey, I'm
1: I'm going to pull four of your sessions this month and I'll train you next month. Yeah.
0: Cool. Oh, my God. My guys with post-date checks. Like, crazy. Like, we'd have people sign up at the end of the month, and they had already hit goal. And they're like, um, okay, but here's the deal. I'm going to let you start your sessions now, but I'm posting your check to the 15th of next month. That way, on the 15th of next month, it's like he had a bunch of deals hit that day that actually were from the month previous. Like, just shady fucking shit. And so that was the idea. A base salary plus performance based to whatever degree that it looked like. And that was, you know, generally successful. Versus I was unfortunate. I went into a commission only. For a while and then i eventually when i uh, got here to charlotte and i i got into the big boy global gym scene i got a, a base plus performance but com- compensation models should pay for themselves you should be able to track that is not an expense your liabilities you put in an asset or is what i just call it is an investment
1: well so 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 what you're describing is is for example and make sure i'm understanding. The number one thing we're looking to do right now is take our one-on-one client churn from 10% down to 5%. And we look at every single exit survey and the number one reason why people leave is because they're better. So like I paid for, I wanted this solved. It's solved. Good job. (laughs)
0: <laughs> See you later. Yeah, I'm leaving now. Like, my lo- like a lawyer. I paid you to make right. that problem go away. I don't have the problem anymore. I'll call you when I have another problem.
1: Right. So what we understand is that there are still problems that they're dealing with that we didn't do a good job of explaining to them. So the problem that they felt is solved, but the problem that led to that problem might still be underlying. And so in order to reduce our churn, we have somebody who we're putting in charge who we're going a salary and say, look, this is your job. If you bring this down from 10% to 5%, this is your bonus. Here's your base to do the work. If it comes down, here's your bonus on the leftover profit. And if they did that in one year, we would profit almost $400,000 more. So it's like we can pay that person six figures. Sure is that what you're talking about
0: yeah that's essentially what it is and you think like a gym owner might hear this and hear those big numbers and instantly like write it off but here's here's a great example at a micro gym level um um, of of one single owner operator finally gets to the point where he's like i want to invest in people hr wise and Mm -hmm. i said okay there's a 22 year old or 21 year old someone in that low 20s not married no kids no attachments kind of scenario that would work for a thousand dollars a month base salary Plus you commission them performance-based pay them on X. X could be retention. I, you know, created plans for based on retention goals, based on sales goals, PT, whatever you name it. Like you can, you can write a performance plan for anything, a commission plan for anything. And now commission always pays for itself. It's not money out of your pocket. It's money taken from the new revenue earned, which still puts you at a net positive. Mm-hmm. So, and let's say let's go to your favorite. If it was four nights, forty-five percent would go to the coach, right? Thirty percent goes to the gym. Twenty-five percent would go into an account for taxes and overhead. And the gym is still making a thirty percent rev on something it it beyond procuring the interest. So there's obviously CAC cost, uh, our client acquisition cost. Beyond that, it's making a, a revenue share on something it didn't have to do. A coach did it. So what I'm saying is you. One thing I think Globo Gym, I don't know how you feel about it. I feel it taught me different performance-based pay models better than I would have ever known had I just started my own gym. I the learned most, that probably best at Globo Gym.
1: Dude, the most valuable thing I ever did in my career was working at Equinox.
0: Yes, yeah,
1: 100%. Far and away. Because you you learn you learn sales. You learn communication. You learn what effort looks like. You learn what professionalism looks like and you learn, like you just described, they had their tier one, their tier two, their tier three, their tier three plus at the time. And the only, and, and there was part-time and full-time pay for each of those. Yeah. So I learned all about the pay structures and what it took to get more money, yeah. all of it. And, and and just to make clear for everybody, as you describe me as a sarcastically liking four nights, I want to make sure that they understand I fucking hate four nights. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's one of the biggest problems in the fitness landscape, period. It's a fucking disaster. It's a dumpster fire.
0: I, uh, this is segues so well in the, so I told myself, I'm going to get on this call with Sean today. We're just going to shoot the shit. We'll see where it goes. But one thing I want to make sure it goes to, I want to start a segment or like a piece of all my interviews with people. And you're the first one where we're going to talk, uh, there's a seat, like a family guy, Peter Grit, like there's always this skit where Peter Griffin goes, you know what really grinds my gears? And like it'd be like him, like like I want to do you know what really chaps my dick with Sean and Stu. Right? <laughs> I want to know Sean inside our industry business, what is it? And it could be anyone, it could be another business ripping you off, it could be something you're seeing like four nines, it could be a gym model you hate, it could be an Instagram style of posting that you're seeing people do you think is stupid. What is chapping your dick right now as a business owner in the fitness industry?
1: The fitness industry is a, is a disaster. What's so chopping my dick about it, is that the there's
0: the, most annoying look, thing you see on a given week. We're just like fuck. I want to reach through the screen and punch that person or that company.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. So the thing that chaps my dick the most in the fitness industry right now is that people think their coaches are the problem in their gym, as opposed to looking at themselves as a problem in their gym. And that's why it's okay for them to pay them four nights. I'll make that simpler for you. The biggest problem, the thing that chaps my dick in the fitness industry is that we undervalue it so much that nobody can stay in it.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you think regular, let me ask you, this, this is going off into a whole different thing but I don't want to go deep in this rabbit hole. Do you think regulation in the fitness industry would help with that? Like a governing body?
1: No shot. No shot. What would help in it was, would be education. Because if, if people were educated on what they were really worth, if they were, if they were educated on why they needed to do the things that they need to do, then they wouldn't accept less. And if the good gyms and the good coaches wouldn't accept less, all of a sudden, they would be putting out content and educational material on a regular basis where people who were seeking valuable help could no longer get it from people who weren't valuable.
0: Sure. And again, a- it, it ultimately gives you clout. I was joking. I was talking with the gym owner today. He, we were talking about videos. I've got the main ad we've been running for this promotion. We've been doing at Urban. Uh, both videos have over 35,000 views on them. And he, he's like, well, why do you spend money every month just to pump up the views? I'm like, well, the, it gives clout. Scroll mm-hmm. past a gym owner's video that has 600 views on it versus one that has 30 40,000 views on it. There's a, there's a pause in the timeline, you know, when there's a bunch of comments on it versus not. And the same thing with what you're saying. You, if, you know, if gym owners want to get paid a, a healthy way, if not gym owners, the trainers want to get paid healthy wage, you want to be known as the authority. There's no other way to make people know that you know what you're talking about than to create content. How many gym owners have clients who pay Ben Bergeron a month for Comtrain for special programming, group template bullshit programming. (laughs) <laughs> that he's never seen them. He doesn't know who they are. He's never touched them with a tactile cue, but yet they pay Ben because Ben puts out more content than the gym owner. The gym owner would, instead of just putting out the daily workout in a fucking newsletter or on his Facebook page like a goddamn moron, if he said, hey, here's the workout, but here is 150 words, three paragraphs as to why we did this, the dose response we're looking for, and the benefits you're going to get or how this pairs with the workout tomorrow or why we use a push pull antagonist scheme today or why we're hinging two days in a row or whatever the fuck it may be, if they put some content out, people would start looking at the gym owner as an expert. How many gym owners don't get an email or a phone call when that client wants extra coaching? They go to a stranger on the internet, a James Fitzgerald, a Sean Pastouch, or whatever. Because the gym owner owner either maybe isn't pre-qualified for it because they're just a fuckface that worked at Bank of America and then lost 30 pounds and (laughs) opened a gym, or... They just, maybe they know their shit. They just don't, nobody knows. It's like if, if a mime gets, you know, gets, uh, what is it? If a get, mime gets raped in the woods and nobody hears it, did he really get <laughs> raped?
1: You're I my favorite that, poet.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that's how it goes. Um, I'm always positive. Um, <laughs> but, but literally, like that's it. If you don't fucking say shit, nobody knows you know anything. And now you're not worth anything.
1: So to, to, to add to that, the reason that it's such a problem for people that like, I think that you do a great job of telling people they need to put content out, put content out, put content out. And then when the people who I talk to about putting content out, they're like, yeah, I heard Stu say that, but I don't know how to do it. And I get it. And that's reasonable. So what I tell people is think of it this way. If every gym knew exactly who their client was, what problem their client would come to them wanting solved, They had a process that specifically solved that problem extremely well every single time. No other problems, just that one. If you were uniquely qualified for some reason to fix that problem, and every gym in town had their own, you could charge whatever you want because everybody would be self-aware and nobody would be telling you whether you want to get to the CrossFit Games or just get off the couch, we can help you hit your goals. You can't, you can pick one. Yeah. So, so for example, if you know, we, I think most CrossFit gyms would say they help people lose weight and get fit for life. Cool.
0: Then why do you overhead squat?
1: Oh, right. Exactly. But, but so it's because Glassman says to, so how do you help people lose weight? Cause the gym down the block says to help people lose weight also. Well, how do you help people lose weight? Well, exercise, nutrition, they do the same thing. What's your process? What's your process that makes me, Sean pastuge somebody who does not want to lose weight, a bad candidate for being in your gym because I wouldn't want to come to, for example, monthly nutrition meetings about caloric deficit and the emotional decisions around eating. Maybe I wouldn't want to come to your gym because we do a lot of steady state and every once in a while we do some interval high intensity stuff. Maybe I wouldn't want to come to your gym because I don't know, the kind of music that you play, the way you structure your class, whatever it is, there's not a lot of skill. It's all just grind, grind, grind because it's meant to lose weight. Yeah, That's not the gym I want to be at. But someone else I know does, and they can't go to any other gym because now you're the best in the world at doing that. But everyone's like, I can help everybody. No, well, you yeah, can't. It,
0: you, the way you said it, just like on um, these websites where you go to the front, is like brand new to CrossFit, click here looking to go to the games, click here. Like, that's like, like, again, it's the idea of an avatar and understanding who you want. And, um, I had a guy give me a really hard time when I told him our avatar is not obese. We, I believe like my, my thing is I think everybody's fat. Just some people are overly fat. And um, we don't have overly fat people at Urban Movement for the most part. We have a few. They're outliers. Like, outlier, outliers always trickle in. So you have the gym owner who's like, I'm going to have a master's class. I'm like, what? Okay, cool. So let's talk about it. What, what's a master's class? They're like, 55 and older. I'm like, great. So um, how many 55 and older do you have at the gym? And they're like, ah, we have like 12 and they're great. They love it. It works. And I really think I can make something out of this program. I'm like, all right, you know, you have 12 out of 185. So it, it's kind of an outlier thing. Um, why Why do you think that this is gonna be beneficial? Like, I don't know. I just, I, 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 th- I see it helping. They get emotionally attached to these characters, aka customers, members of their gym. And now they're like, I think I can do this thing. I'm gonna help them. Like, great. On the other side of the gym, you also have, the majority, 80% of the market, 80% of your gym just in there for recreational fitness, get in, get out. They're probably within the ages of 25 to 40. And then you have this other 20% outlier that matches the masters and they're the competitive kids. So you get this loud minority competitive, loud minority masters, and you want to create these programs around these loud minorities. Who's your avatar? And they're like, well, but I want to help i like, I know you want to help, but I know Coop wrote a book called Help First, and not that you can't help. You can't create a business model around helping the masters and the competitive CrossFitter and the fucking, the 80% that you have, which are the average person who want to get in that, that 60 minute workout and get in and out, get out and get on with their life. Who are you going to serve?
1: So I think you're actually giving them more credit than yeah. I would. Oh, And what I mean by 100%. that is, I don't, th- I don't think it's because they get emotionally attached to the 55-year-old client. I think it's because they think the 55-year-old client can afford it, would send their friends, and they would be able to make more money if they had a 55-year-old class. Sure. Sure. And, and, and the, the mistake, you were getting to it, the mistake is you, you, can't, you can't market everything. You can't be great at everything. You can't process everything. What's the thing you do?
0: Yeah. Have you ever seen an ice cream truck that sells burritos and fucking hot dogs on a stick? No, motherfucker, you can't. You can't sell all three of those things. You can't be well, I, like, you can't be this Jack of all this Swiss army knife of micro gyms. It's and to go quite. further
1: on that. Like, do you, do you, do you get ice cream trucks in Charlotte? Uh, yes, we do. Okay. Which ice cream truck do you prefer? The guy who comes around with soft serve and says, I have vanilla chocolate, strawberry swirl and toppings, or the guy who has a, a menu of bars and stuff on the truck.
0: Yeah. So if it's me, I, I know what I want. I want the soft serve, or I'm hoping my ice cream guy is actually dealing weed. Like, I'm just <laughs> like, like, that. that's what I know what I want. You, you give me the ice cream truck guy that's got fucking every, like, he's got the Mickey Mouse popsicles and the fucking, mm. r- the firecracker, fucking, you know, uh, red, white, and blue pot. Like, I'm like, dude, it's too much. I'm gonna fucking headache. I know, yeah, again, he- but I'm a consumer that knows what I want, and I would think every business owner would argue, I want, a con- I want clients who know what they want.
1: Dude, we have, a, we have an ice cream place in Long Beach called Marvell Ice Cream. The ice cream is not that good. It's fine. It's not that good. They have chocolate, vanilla, banana, strawberry, swirls. On the, on the window, it says, this is what we have. We don't give samples. Everything is good. There's a line down the block every fucking
0: day. It's, they're the five guys. Burgers, fries, shake. That's it. Fuck off yeah. if you want anything else. Burger, fry, yeah. shake. That's yep. it. And it, I think gym owners, again, it, you know, they're trying to cast the widest net, get people in the door, instead of figuring out that avatar. But going back to my example, and I told these guys, I don't have overly fat people. I don't have old people. I don't have people with kids. And they're <laughs> like, uh, I could, Stu. I saw a fat person in Urban Movement. I'm like, yeah, dude. Like, when you don't go after a certain avatar, some of them trickle in. It's always going to happen. It, they will trickle through the cracks right? But it's not who you market to. It's not what's in your storytelling. It's not your goal to acquire them. Your goal is to acquire one very specific person with a very specific problem. Your marketing should actually help a very small amount of people. The majority of people should scroll past your marketing and say, that's Mm -hmm. not for me because you're speaking to a very specific subset. You're a micro gym, not a globo gym. You want to have silver sneakers and a basketball court and a fucking racquetball and saunas and thunder kick classes. Oh, and free weights. Open up a global gym.
1: One of the things we talk about in the pro paths do is pick one of your members who best represents the kind of person who you want to help in every class, every day. And I want you to build content that has that person actually feeling like you're talking to them to the point that they come up to you and they're like, Hey, I saw like seven posts in a row and I couldn't help but feel like you were talking specifically to me. Yep. If you do that, everyone in the world who is like them, who's not a member is going to find you and want to come because your media is not for your members. It's for people who haven't joined yet.
0: It's nuts, man. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, even as we talk, like creating, Creating an avatar for the gym, like, having a, like giving the gym owner the checklist for like, or giving them the tools or at least the the know-how, the the education to like understand creating a specific avatar. And, the, and the, here's the thing is what I hate. Oh, no, no, Stu, I know my avatar. They are, and they give me an age range and they give me a zip code and they give me a fucking AGI and they give me a fucking race. I'm like, no, those are demographics, fuck face. You're not completing a census. I want you to tell me, my client... Is, is looking to upgrade their workout because they're bored at a current location working out and it's more social than it is fitness based. That's an avatar. That's an avatar. It's more about what fitness is to them, not what's on a fucking, like, not what you could put into an Excel sheet. Mm hmm. Oh, fuck.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> well you, you need to. So, all right. Let me give you guys some tactical stuff that we do that I think will help some of your listeners. You okay. got. One of the first things that we do when somebody says we want to do personal training, but there's nobody in our gym who's interested in it is we will tell them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a list of 10 people who are in your gym right now, who you believe have a problem that is gym related that you could solve with the skills you already have. I want you to write the 10 people's first name, the problem that they have, how that problem makes them feel, and why you're confident that you could solve it. So, for example, John always bounces the barbell away from him. It frustrates him and makes him hate weightlifting days. I'm confident I could help John because I've helped dozens of people less athletic than John to do cleans, if that's your thing, right? If you say that every day to yourself, you read your list every day and you see it happen and you see John get frustrated and roll his eyes and twirl his head around, you think you're going to be able to not walk over now and say something to John?
0: Because now you know the problem exists.
1: Yeah. Well, now the problem exists. You put it in your own head and you know that the problem not only exists, but affects that person inside and outside of the gym potentially. And then the only question left is, well, what do I say? So we give them six questions so any trainers listening, here are six questions that you can ask any client that make it so that you're not pushy, you're not sleazy, and if they want to buy, they will, and if they don't, they won't, and you'll know and you'll let them go. Question one, is that true? The problem that I'm seeing is, is that really a problem or am I just seeing things? Question number two, how long has that been a problem for? Question number three, what have you tried to fix it? Question number four, why do you think that's not working? Question number five, is it a priority for you to fix this or not? Question number six, if I made some time, would you want to get together and see if I can help you? We drill those six questions for like four weeks in our in our pro path. And it amounts to people who buy our course making all of their money back in the two to three months before the course even starts. Because they just don't know how to walk up to people
0: yeah and again and, you're able you what you do so you do such a good job but is you frame sales in a uh, a framework um that allows the individual that's listening who would not want to identify as a salesman who would not want to practice sales tactics or read a book by brian tracy or anything like that you you do such a good job framing it as just a solid conversation, more of a, like an inquisitive doctor, an inquisitive professional asking questions that any smart person that's in a fitness professional role would ask somebody. And the answers to those questions, consequently and by design, that's why you do them, give you the ammo, like blank, mm-hmm. fucking like a shotgun that you could shoot them in the face at point blank to lead <laughs> to a conversation or you know a response, a retort that obviously only lends itself well to one path. Let's do more work together in some capacity.
1: Yeah, and here's the thing: the reason why coaches and gym owners don't want to do these things is because they put themselves in the financial position that they're putting their client in. And the reality is, most gym owners, and this is gonna—I know this is gonna be resonant to the gym owners and other people who hear this who don't own a gym. Right now, are gonna be like, are "You fucking serious?" Most gym owners and many coaches your 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 coaches who are more full time those people could not and would not pay to go to their own gym oh
0: wow yeah that's that's think let, about let it let that sit with everybody
1: they could not and would not pay to go to their own gym even if they think it's great they would be like well 175 185 a month that's i couldn't afford that that's why i charge 120 well that's why you're getting people who Can pay 120. Now, the other question is, would you pay 120? And they're like, ah, maybe not. Yeah. And no, like, you would pay fucking 30, bro. You would pay 30 and go to the local commercial gym and do your own thing because you don't think that you need to be coached and because you don't make enough money to think about how you would budget 200 bucks a month to the gym and maybe another 100, 200 bucks a month for personal training and maybe another 150, 200 for nutrition coaching. You're like, I could never do that. You I know ask any gym
0: owner, $200 a month subscription. They fucking have, right? Like I literally, I, again, I think I've told you this before. I hired training think tank and Kyle Ruth to write personalized programming for me for two seventy five a month for two years. Mm-hmm. Why? Cause I never been a customer of a subscription based fitness service that costs more than 170 bucks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I needed to feel that pain financially and what that, like I wanted to know as a consumer, and you have these guys, like, I asked gym owners, like, like, man, I don't know why anyone wouldn't pay 180 for my gym. What do you pay 180 for a month? Fuck face. <laughs> what fucking subscription do you have where it takes that? They're like, well, I don't. I'm like, then, what, then see what you're doing. Like, you don't understand the lens of the customer even.
1: Well, then what you just described was that people will, people buy the way that they sell and they sell the way yes. that they buy. Correct. So, so, so if you, if you're listening and you're like, what does that mean? If I told you right now Give me $10,000 right now, and in six months, I'll give you back $15,000. You would have to think about it. But in the real world, that's a phenomenal return on investment. It's yep. like stupid good. Yes. But somebody who invests all the time, wouldn't you? They, done. Think twice. Yeah. So you're going to buy the way that you sell. And now what that means is that if you think that what you do is so valuable, because you wouldn't buy something that you think is so valuable, you wouldn't sell it either.
0: Smart words from a smart man. Sean, I appreciate it, man. I apologize. I got to hop on this next call at three, but I want to, uh, one thing I want to, I really, anyone listening, I, me and Sean will be jamming at some point off off band here. And I don't know. We're going to do something. We're just going to fucking hang out somewhere. at your. I want to come to your fucking HQ and vlog there and do something and make entice people to come hang out with us for the day and learn some shit. Summertime. Yeah. I need to get my fucking tan in, man. I need to get that vitamin D. Us gingers, we're tropical people, Sean. We need that I vitamin would, D. I would be worried about taking you near the beach. I'll bring my SPF. Don't you fucking worry. All right. I get my moles checked. I'm not getting, melanoma ain't getting me. Melanoma ain't getting me. Um, Dude, phenomenal. I, uh, I really, I appreciate you popping on, man.